Welcome to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast with Alex McRobbs, international yoga teacher and sober coach. I broke up with booze for good in 2019, and now I'm here to help others do the same. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am super excited to have Abby Feltham here on the show with me today. And Abby is a sober influencer, has a ton of followers, makes hilarious reels. And um, that's how she's kind of come up onto my feed and been really inspiring to like sharing your journey. So thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm really happy to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. So (laughs) (laughs) So Abby is in the UK. And I would love to hear more about kind of who you are, Abby, like your story. Tell me a bit about yourself, where you're from and all that stuff. Well, yes, I'm in the, I'm in the UK. Yeah, I'm in London. Um, this is only like a recent development um, okay. in like the last year. Essentially, I spent like the last 10 years backpacking around the world. Yeah, just basically partying around the world, just going around on adventures and not having any responsibilities and yeah, doing a lot of drinking. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only like, yeah, it was only at the beginning of the pandemic that I came back to the UK. Wow. And yeah, and then got sober. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I lived in Laos for like four years. I lived in Cambodia, Australia, cool. US, Canada. Like, yeah. Amazing. All, all around. <laughs> I um, I was in Laos in 2019, right before I got sober. I did um, a little, you know, the typical backpacking through Southeast Asia thing that people do at a party and then they go to the hostels, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure that was like... I was there in 2019. I, li- I lived in Vang Vieng for like four years. I might wow. have met you there. That's the place where you, um, the, where you raft, right? Yeah, yeah, you do I'm the shooting. Sh- yeah. I'm sure we met then because there was I, like, yeah. there were like two bars there, right? Oh my God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, de- I definitely probably met, I, I worked at those bars in 2019. So, so I'm sure we met in the former I life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. And so you moved back to London in at the start of the pandemic. Was that due yeah. to everything going on with the travel restrictions or what prompted well, that? Well, it kind of, it coincided with a mental breakdown. Okay. Um, so it was kind of like, I want to say good timing. Yeah. Like I had this awful mental breakdown. Like lots, I, I kept on hitting rock bottom. Like, yeah. like I was an absolute mess um, and my life was just like crumbling around me. Um, and it, it was due to like, like my own mental health issues and my drinking and my drug taking um, had really taken its toll on me. Yeah. And I was in a terrible place. And then it coincided with the pandemic. And I was just so reluctant and so stubborn to ever go home and like sort myself out. Like I was like, no, nah, I'm going to travel the world forever, even though I was absolutely miserable. But then the pandemic hit and then everyone was going home. A lot of backpackers were going home everyone was like kind of like losing their jobs and moving back in with their parents and stuff. And that kind of gave me the kick to actually go home and face my problems. 
Right. Wow. And so, yeah, I guess a lot of those bars that were probably real tourist places, like were people losing their jobs that were working in those bars because there just weren't tourists coming or. Yeah. Well, so at the time I was in, at the time I was in Canada, I was living, I was living on Vancouver Island. I was working at a barbecue restaurant and I had just lost my job for drinking, like for being blackout drunk at work. But then like two days later, everyone else lost their jobs because of the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of like, I tell people now that I lost my job because I was blackout drunk. But at the time I was like kind of embarrassed and I was still, I was still coming to terms with everything. I was still very lost and I was very unsure of myself and I was very insecure. So I just told everyone it was because of the pandemic. Right. I mean, it was good timing for it was. For that it, was. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. So tell me a bit about yourself. Um, like growing up, how did you start drinking? Well, I, I have, I don't know, I've always been a very intense person in the way that I, I feel, like ever since I was really, really little, really young, always felt emotions really heavily, really intensely, and I've never been able to manage them. Like I, I've learned now, I've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It's something that in any kind of incarnation has been, been with me my entire life like I just remember being very young and and not being able to manage my emotions and not I just, I just things would really affect me like really, like I would watch other people and then like something would happen to them and they'd be able to brush it off but my emotions just really had a, an effect on me all, all growing up and through into my teens and when I discovered drinking so in Britain like there's a, there's a big drinking culture and like pretty much everyone starts drinking when they're teenagers. Like it's a, it's a real normalized thing. <laughs> it's like really ingrained in our culture, like very binge drinking and teen drinking. Like it's kind of like weird if you don't do it. And, and it's just normal in families really. And then, so when I started drinking, like I was like, Oh, this numbs me. <laughs> like, and I, I, it's, it made me feel a bit more normal and I could cope a lot better and I could, I could manage myself better because like my, yeah, my emotions weren't so tense, intense because yeah, I was numbing myself and I really, really liked that feeling. I loved it. And yeah, it kind of like, I've always been a very adventurous person as well and kind of drinking, go to parties and kind of like that sort of glamorous side to like drinking and partying, I guess you can say, like took me on lots of adventures and I love that as well. But for me, alcohol gave me so much confidence and it made me feel at peace with myself. And it like took me crazy places and I went to crazy parties and was doing crazy things. And I just, I just thought I was having my best life. <laughs> yeah. And this sounds a lot, you know, I can really relate to that because I also had a mood disorder um, growing up and it was diagnosed and I was told, you know, to stop drinking. And I just kept drinking on these meds. Yeah. I was on. Um, and I also kind of felt emotions in extreme. And so I think that is like what, what I really liked about alcohol is that it kind of numbed me out from all of that. Yeah. Really similar, similar relationship with alcohol. Yeah. And so tell me about how did your alcohol consumption increase over time? Like, did you find, you know, I have a similar kind of not exactly the same with you journey in that, you know, I lived in the middle East, but I was traveling all around the world on these like holidays and vacations. And just, I found that the partying tourist lifestyle just really, amped up my drinking and I'm wondering if you kind of felt that that influenced your drinking or how did it 
grow over time? Um, I just just kept on drinking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think I, I noticed, I guess, like quite early on that I had a different relationship to alcohol than other people. Like other people would maybe go to parties and they'd have like a few drinks, but I was, I was guzzling, (laughs) like guzzling. And then I think I moved to London when I was 18, moved out of home, moved to London by myself and just threw myself into the party scene there. I guess, I don't know. Like, I I remember like going to house parties when I, when I was first moved to London and like, we'd all be drinking and stuff. And then in the morning, like if we all kind of like, passed out at this house party the next morning everyone would wake up and be like oh I'm so hungover and I'd wake up and I'd start drinking again mm. like yeah I think and then and then I'd, I'd start drinking alone a lot like when I was kind of like in my uh, early 20s when I was in London I left London when I was 23 to go traveling and then that was my that was my like 10 years abroad essentially and yeah I just I found like like you said, like a party lifestyle. <laughs> like before, before I went traveling though, I was like, I was doing a lot of drugs. I was, I was drinking a lot. I was like, I, I just always wanted to be around it. Always. Like I didn't want to have a day where I wasn't around drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mm. What was the turning point for you? Like, I know you described kind of like the mental health breakdown and then moving back to the UK. Mm. What was the turning point for you in which you decided to choose sobriety like was that something that you realized once you lost your job was it something that happened over time in London tell me about that it kind of came out of nowhere like it had been it had been like something I'd been I, I knew I was an alcoholic for a few a good few years like I'd come to the terms with the fact that I was an alcoholic for a good few years before I decided to get sober but I was just wow. like I was fine with it. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a functioning alcoholic. And that's just how I live now. Like, and, and, but I just, I didn't want to get sober. Like I just had no interest in not being an alcoholic. I was very, very depressed, very depressed and really self-loathing. And I was like, I'm going to be an alcoholic. I deserve this. I deserve to live my life this way because you know, I just hated myself so much. I was like, okay, this is, this is me. This is my lot in life. Um, so I just, I continued and masked all of my feelings of depression and stuff. And like, I tried to, I had toyed with the idea thinking like, oh, you know, I should probably stop drinking because it is a lot of the cause of a lot of my problems. But I didn't, I didn't. I have, I've, oh, I have this thing about escapism. Like I'm always, this is, this is like my 10 years traveling the world. You know, I'm always trying to escape things. And I'm, I've always like run away from my problems instead of facing them. And if I just kept on drinking, then I, did, I wouldn't have to face my depression. I wouldn't have to face my self-loathing and, and all that. And then I had in like 2000 2019, 2020, I, I just kept on hitting rock bottom. Like things weren't getting better. Every time I thought they couldn't get worse, they did. I, I was living in New York at the time with my boyfriend and that relationship broke down because of essentially because of my drinking um because I was like blackout drunk yeah. every night and I was just an awful person to to be living with <laughs> like an absolute nightmare um my boyfriend kicked me out I went I moved to Canada moved in with a friend there and then and then I immediately met this guy who was a recovering crack addict and he was also really really depressed 
So there was like, oh man, it was a crack addict and alcoholic, both incredibly depressed. We kind of like collided and we were both like, let's just fucking, let's do it. Let's like take each other down. And like, um, yeah, we just went on this like massive bender. I, I'd started smoking crack. I was in a really, really bad place. Like I, like, I was just taking a lot of drugs and not caring about what happened to me. Like I had absolutely no interest in whether I lived or died. And then, and then I, I moved from uh, the city that I was in. I was like, oh my God, I can't, I, I have to stop this. Like I'm actually a crackhead now. Like I have to end this. <laughs> so I left the city to get away from him, to get away from um the drugs and I moved to Vancouver Island and I was like right I'm gonna start this new life <laughs> everything's gonna be fine now but it wasn't like my problems just followed me yeah like nothing got better like I, oh, I, just, I just thought like okay move to a new place I'm, just, I'm gonna recover no like I, I just oh my drinking got so bad I was living by myself in a trailer and I was just oh drinking so much and I was really really depressed really really depressed and then I tried to kill myself and then I ended up in a psych ward for three days. And then I got fired from my job for being drunk. And it's just one thing after the other. And I was just like, oh my God, things are not getting like better. And I, I just, oh, yeah, like I said before, I just had no interest in whether I lived or died. And then, I, and then the pandemic hit. I went back to the UK. And again, I was a mess. Um, I was back at my mum's house. And I just just being back at home, being back in my childhood home, I kind of started reflecting on everything, everything that had happened, like, especially in that last year and just everything is like the same behaviors kept on repeating themselves. Like I noticed throughout my life, like nothing ever got better because I was still going down this, this route of, of ignoring my problems. And I wasn't, I wasn't helping myself in any way. And then I just had like an epiphany, I guess. It was like a little, like a little voice was saying in my head, like, it doesn't have to be this way. You, you don't have to live like this. Like, it, it can be better. And I just, like, it was then that, like, I realised, like, it's, so yeah, I can't have a happy future with alcohol in my life. Like, it's, like, it's impossible. Like, if I want to, to live, I decided I did want to live. I decided I wanted to fight for my life. And if I was going to do that, I would have to get rid of alcohol and drugs. Like, that can't be part of my future. Um, I would have to take control. And then that's when I decided that I wasn't going to drink again. Wow. Yeah. What a powerful story. And I can relate to so many different elements of that. Um, like I certainly had this escapism thing of like, you know, my life is falling apart in Kuwait. So I'm like, I'm just going to restart it in Abu Dhabi and, I'm like, it's going to be better because alcohol is legal there and I can drink and I'll be happier. And, you know, you, you at a point suddenly where you realize like my problems are going to follow me all around the world. Like no matter where I am, unless I face these problems, they're going to be with me. So, yeah, it took me so long to figure that out. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> when I did that, I was like, oh, okay, this is how it works. <laughs> and so how did you, um, like, what was your sober journey like? Did you join AA, the 12 step? Like what was, what were the tools that helped you in recovery? So I, um, as it was at the beginning of the pandemic, everywhere was locked down. Right. Like this was like, yeah, this was like day one of quarantine. So like, like the entire world was like locked down. 
Um, I did attend a couple of meetings on Zoom, like AA meetings on Zoom, yeah. but I only went a couple of times. And for me, I, I just decided I was going to do it by myself. <laughs> I've always been a black sheep. I've always been, I always go, I've always got against the grain. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it myself. Um, and yeah, it, that sparked off a journey of like a year of self-discovery wow. and learning to, like, to love myself, learning who I was. Like I had no idea who I was um, because I'd spent so long like, yeah, numbing myself with drugs and alcohol. I had no idea, like, who I was, what I liked. Like, like I just, I had lost all sight of myself. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a year of getting to know who I was. And, yeah, I did, for me, my tools were yoga, meditation, breath work. Um, I went through, like, a spiritual journey. As well as getting to know myself, I was, yeah, kind of, learning how to engage in, with the world in a way that um, I could actually relate to. You know? Right. Wow. And so you're one of the first people I've talked to that has like done it on their own, um, yeah. which is really impressive. Like I myself, I didn't do AA um, or the 12 step either. It didn't feel the right fit for me. Um, I mean, I was somewhat on my own, but I was part of one year, no beer. Um, so it kind of had that like online community and support. Did you have any communities like that or? No, not really. Not really. I, there was, when I was, I guess, maybe like four months, four or five months sober, I moved to Greece for the summer with like, my mom has a house out there. So I moved to Greece with my mom and I was in Greece for about four months. And there, although I didn't meet any other sober people, I met a group of amazing women, um, incredible women who were like very, very, very nurturing. I spent four months doing yoga and going to women's circles and getting to know these like, yeah, incredibly like spiritual and wise women and just talking about things and learning about other people. I always found that when I learn things about other people, I learn more about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so although like none of, none of my interactions with them were like sobriety based, it was all in leaning into that right notion of self-discovery and yeah. 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 Which sounds really similar to the kind of work I do. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of like sober yoga programs, self-discovery journaling. And, and that really sounds like my, my toolbox for recovery as well. Absolutely. It wasn't, it was a complete accident as well. Like, <laughs> like I had like by, at, at home, like before I went to Greece, like I, I'd been doing a lot of yoga. I've been doing a lot of meditation. I have such an addictive personality. I definitely got addicted to meditation. Um, for sure. I was doing like three hours of kundal- Kundalini yoga a day. <laughs> I was unemployed as well. <laughs> so, right. Like what else am I going to do? Um, yeah. But yeah, it was really intense, but it really helped me. Um, and then like, yeah, and then just by accident, I met these women in Greece. Like I'm a firm believer of like, you, you attract the energy that you put out. Yeah. Like when I was a depressed mess, I, I attracted another depressed person to my life and then ended up on crack. Like when I was, when I had this positive energy and I wanted yeah. to, to heal myself, I attracted healing people into my life. And yeah, it was really amazing. 
Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's kind of like, I've been thinking a bit about like the sober dating world lately and how, when I was first in the very beginning of my sobriety, I felt like there were like no sober people in the world, but it was because I was still attracting the same type of people that I was attracting when I was a partier. Right. And the longer that I'm in the sober world, I realize like there's so many of us, like people are showing up in my life every day that are part of the sober community, you know, yeah. like you or like other people I connect with on Instagram. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the hardest part about becoming sober? Facing my problems, <laughs> facing my mental health issues for sure. For sure. Like, I, 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 I guess I spent the, the first few months of sobriety just crying. <laughs> just, I think I was, I was very, I was, I was lucky. I don't want to call the pandemic luck, but I guess I, I had the luxury of time and space during my early sobriety because of the pandemic, because I, I was at home and I was alone and I had a lot of time to, like, reflect so yeah, I, yeah, I spent the first few months crying, like, and I gave myself that time to just wallow. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, like, I had, a, I had a lot to mourn. I was like grieving my old life, that the old, the person I was, and I, I, I was experiencing lots of feelings around shame and guilt, and for the, for the things I'd done and the things I'd put myself through, like, I felt very bad to begin with, just thinking like, oh my god, why did I, I why did I do that to myself? Like, <laughs> like I put myself through so much trauma. Yeah, yeah. So that was the hardest thing. Yeah. Was definitely was to heal myself, to face up to, to yeah, to basically look myself in, in the mirror because I've been avoiding yeah. that for so long. Yeah. <laughs> and that is such a big part of the sober journey that we don't realize. Um, like, it's people just think that becoming sober is like stopping drinking, and I feel like people who haven't been on the sober journey don't understand this, that it is literally like you, you think you just put down the drink and then it's like literally this deep dive into like so much other, like it goes so beyond just the word sober. Is that so true? That's so true. Yeah. I was, I was on a, um, a podcast episode recently too, where I was talking about, um, my yoga journey and someone said, someone compared it to yoga as well saying, you know, it sounds like yoga is really similar in that you show up and you think you're doing a stretch and all of a sudden you're like deep, you're like doing Kundalini yoga for four hours a day. (laughs) There's like so much more to it than just like the poses. I thought that was like a nice comparison. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That mindfulness. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me about, okay. So at the start of the episode, you said that you weren't telling people when you first lost your job, you know, you weren't, talking to people about the fact that it was because of your drinking problems and, you know, you've gone to this point now where you're being open about it. So how did you switch from being more like private about your sober journey to becoming, you know, now you're a sober influencer, you have all these followers, sober blogger, like, so what changed along the way? Well, or to, to begin with, at the beginning, I was, well, I was, I was honest and open with my, with the people I was close to, like my loved ones. That's also something that um, was really important to my journey. Yeah. was being open and honest so I did yeah I told I told like my family and my loved ones that I that I was gonna get get sober um I was like I've got a problem <laughs> and I'm in a really dark place and I'm gonna get sober and like yeah everyone was just like wow that's fantastic like everyone knew everyone like who was close to me knew that I was an absolute mess and I was I definitely had problems with alcohol 
Um, I don't know if they realised that I was an alcoholic, but they definitely knew that I was like struggling. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, yeah, I did, I did, I did keep it quite, quite private. Um, uh, just the few first few months there. One, one of the things that helped me in sobriety as well was uh, gaining a hobby. So, like, and this is something that I, <laughs> that I um, recommend other people to do as well when they first enter sobriety. I'm like, get a hobby, like, yeah. just get something that you can put your energy into, something you really enjoy doing, something like if you're a creative person, like a creative thing, something you can channel your emotions in and you can set goals. And, stuff. and for me, that was Instagram. I started a fashion inst- fashion Instagram. It's the same Instagram as the account I have now. Oh, wow. Fact, yeah. In fact, the, the account I have now is actually really interesting. Like, it goes back to 2011. It's the only Instagram account I've ever had. Wow. So if you go right to the beginning, it's like 2011, and you can watch me travel the world through active addiction. Wow. <laughs> and then... And then it turned, and then when I decided to get sober, I turned it into a fashion account. Yeah, I got really, like, I, I love clothes and I love style and, and makeup and everything, um, and photography as well. So I got really into kind of the fashion community on Instagram. Yeah, I loved it. Like, especially again, we're in lockdown. So it gave me an excuse to like get dressed, <laughs> makeup. Yeah. And I learned about like photography and lighting and stuff. And, and it was really fun. I met loads of really cool people who are still my friends today. And yeah. And then through that, like I, I had started when, when it was all fashion stuff, I was open about the fact that I was in like addiction recovery and that I was sober, but it was just like thing. I would just mention it every now and then. Right. And then after about a year of doing a fashion account, I kind of, I felt like I've completed it. Like, I was like, okay, I'm, I've, the fashion Instagram world has offered, has given me everything that it can offer. Like, I've, I've completed my project now. Um, and then I was like, by that point, I had posted a few videos about sobriety and about recovery. And they'd gotten like, like people were really positive about it. And I was like, oh, I wonder if people would be interested in seeing more of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I started be I started started like full on posting about it and being like, look, this is me. I'm a mess. I'm in addiction recovery, um, but let's talk about it. And people responded to that. And then, yeah, I've always been quite an open person. Anyway, I'm, I'm an oversharer, <laughs> like definitely. And yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much how I, I started being super open about it. And kind of, I think that there there, there there is a space for that on social media for for be, for being completely honest about the highs and lows of yeah. sobriety yeah yeah I had so that kind of sounds a little bit similar to me in that I've had my Instagram for ages too um it's not the first one I had because I had one and then I had a yoga one like way back in the day but I um was always paranoid about my social media because I was a teacher before I was doing this work full-time and so I had a few photos of me drinking alcohol, you know, and then when I decided in after a month sober, I was like, okay, I want to start working on a career full time in yoga, but I can't have any of this content of me with alcohol. So I went through and there were maybe like 10, 15 posts over the whole time of me drinking and I deleted them. And it's funny because then if you look through my social media, it looks like I just never drink. (laughs) 
all of a sudden on day 90, I shared for the first time that I was sober. And, and then it became, you know, like something that I became more courageous about sharing. And now it's, it just kind of happened over time. Like you said, like I posted some things and got like such positive feedback on my sober journey. And then I realized like, this is something that is really, and you know, I didn't know anyone that was sober when I started doing it because people don't talk about it. And so to find, come across people that are similar to you and you feel like you're not alone. It's like, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. But I was like really shocked when people were um, like responded to my sobriety yeah. content. Oh my God, your, your reels are so good. I love them. Like oh God, thank it, you. it's your reels <laughs> that I'm like, okay, I need to get this girl on the podcast. <laughs> They're so good. Thank you. I have a lot of fun making them. Yeah. Like I make them and I watch them back and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. I love this. <laughs> There's one person, one person in the sober community, I can't remember who it is, but she has a, um, a mocktail costume. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I think I've, I think I've seen her pop up. That, that rings a bell. I, I keep thinking I need to order one, like order one and get it shipped to me for all of my <laughs> reels where I like have a conversation with alcohol. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> All right. So I have one last question for you, Abby. Um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to quit drinking? Um, I would say, well, first of all, congratulations. <laughs> um, advice to give to quit drinking. Like, I think it's, it's important to, to kind of assess where you are in life and kind of, kind of evaluate what's going on like um what's your relationship to alcohol and kind of almost like therapize yourself in the way of like why why do you why do you have a bad relationship with alcohol or why but yeah just ask yourself lots of questions and then think about what you want your life to be like um the things that are missing and like the, the kind of steps that I took were getting a hobby, um, <laughs> uh, telling, like being honest with people. I know it's not like, it's not right for everyone to be honest with the people around them. But for me, um, being honest with people was like a complete game changer. It's because it, it kind of made me accountable <laughs> for what I was doing because people knew. It also meant that the people around me understood how to support me in the way that like not to pressurize me to drink. You know, like, I guess if, if sometimes if you're like, oh, I'm not drinking tonight, like, yeah. like people just think it's a kind of a, a lighthearted thing. And they're like, oh, you know, just go on, have a drink, have a drink, have a drink. Whereas if you're like, oh, I have an honest desire to change my relationship with alcohol, like, for these reasons, then they, they know, like, there's a boundary there and not to pressurize you or offer you anything. Um, so, yeah, be honest with the people around you get involved with a community like whether it would be AA or or like the Instagram sober community is amazing just talking to other people about what you're going through like you were saying before like it's when, when you first get sober it's like do other people do this like <laughs> it's kind of like like you don't realize there are other sober people out there um but there are and there are people with, who have similar experiences and then it's being able to talk about that and and relate to people and talk to like like-minded people like it really like yeah it kind of like affirms your journey and then it makes you feel less alone and you do get like support out there as well 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, Abby, thank you so much. It was honestly so wonderful to have you on the show. And it's so interesting because, you know, you, you, you see parts of people's life, you know, little glimpses, like when we first hopped on, I was like, Oh, there's the, there's the real studio where you make your videos. (laughs) And I just had no idea that we would share so much in common, right. From like traveling around the world and like our mood disorder. And just, I feel like it was like chatting with a friend. (laughs) I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And um, yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. I love chatting with you. It was really nice to talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, Abby, and I'll see you soon. Okay. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sober Yoga Girl with Alex McRobbs. I am so, so grateful for every one of you. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and leave a review before you go. See you soon. Bye.